Welcome to the Radically Christian Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Wes McAdams. Here we have one goal, learn to love like Jesus. I want to begin today by reading from Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 27. Jesus says, I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you, to one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount, but love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Today, I'm going to visit with my good friend Billy McGuigan about discipleship, and we hope that this study helps all of us to learn to love like Jesus. Well, Billy McWiggin, welcome to the Radically Christian Bible Study Podcast. Hey, thanks, Wes. Thanks for having me. So excited to have you, brother. We we get to hang out at uh, the Red River Family Encampment every year, and and just being with you, hearing you preach and teach, and and just getting to to spend time with you is, is some of my favorite time of the whole year. You are such a tremendous encouragement to me. So I'm I am very excited for other people to get to hear your uh, your thoughts on the podcast. Okay, thanks. Uh, thanks very much. Um, I'm very excited. Hopefully I don't get too excited. <laughs> well, we've been talking to various preachers about what they're currently teaching and preaching or what they've been teaching and preaching on recently. So tell us about what you've been teaching recently. So the I, every year I have a theme of what I'm going to preach on, and it's usually September, October time of the year before that I uh, decide what I'm going to do. And so this year, um, the preaching theme is G- uh, joy. It's Jesus, others, yourself. And it's basically about discipleship. You know, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? You know, knowing who he is, what his purpose is in the world and in the church's role. Uh, and that what's his heart uh, what's his expectations as um, uh, on us as his people? And so that's the, that's the kind of basic theme. It's, you know, the acronym JOY, Jesus, Others, Yourself. So what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus is what we're having a good go at answering this year. That's the yeah. theme. Well, I've I've listened to a few of your your lessons, and as always, they're incredibly encouraging. And I I, I wrote down a few quotes that uh, that really stuck out to me over the last uh, few weeks of your sermons. Um, I you were 
the last one you were talking about this upside down kingdom that we're a part of and this upside down kingdom living. And I, I love anytime we're talking about uh, the Sermon on the Plain and the, the, the uh, loving our enemies. I mean, that's uh, something I'm incredibly passionate about as well. Uh, but before that, you were talking about some things. You, you talked about how the Bible isn't a rule book or an answer book. Yeah. Um, you talked about how the Bible is written to bring us to a person, that person being Jesus, God in the flesh. You, you said this, and I, I thought this was incredibly powerful. You said the Pharisees fasted more than you do, give more than you do, know more than you do, yet Jesus said, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you'll never enter the kingdom. Um, man, I I love your your passion for drawing people to to Jesus, not to a system, not to the rules, uh, not not even to the answers, but to the person of Jesus. I I appreciate you saying that, um, <clears throat> but I got and I'm going to. You and I are friends here, and whoever gets to watch this, I'm going to be real and honest. Sometimes maybe a, a little too raw. I did get some kind of pushback on on, on one or two lessons about well, we gotta. You know, follow the rules, and there are things written, and I'm like, yeah, but listen, there's a couple more lessons. Get us to the heart of God in the verse, not just a particular verse, you know, because we could end up, and I think I said this in one of the sermons, we could end up being like the Pharisees, and our relationship isn't there with God. It's the, I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to do this, and uh, so Thank you for observing that, that we have to, and I do, I, could do, I do it in my own life too, where my relationship with God is, I take it seriously, as seriously as I'm able to, and it's a relationship, you know, and, and some of those lessons in the earlier lessons in the year on this theme, you know, it's what's, what's, uh, what's our relationship to the God of the Bible? You know, we're very good at reading it. Most of us, I'm not trying to be too negative, okay, but being real too, we like to read it, we like to study it, we like to attend Bible classes, we like to do devotional readings and read the Bible app, and then all of a sudden we may think, well, all I'm doing is, but where's, where's me and God in this? So I think, and I've, that I've been shaped a lot by different people, to keep that central, and so that is very important. So what's our relationship to the God of the Bible? Because in this theme, you know, this, the preaching theme of Jesus, others, yourself, I looked at something, you know, like, what's the gospel? And, you know, we answer that, and we would probably go to, like, 1 Corinthians 15. It's the death, burial, resurrection. Or, or the gospel is, you know, John three sixteen, Or the gospel is about me being saved and me going to heaven. But then is that what the Bible teaches? Is that the heart of God on the man? So... In that particular theme, it was always, I always tried to focus on what is God saying? Of course, it's in his word and it's his verses and, and this, that, and the other, but what's the heart of God saying? And then, he, he, and so what's the gospel and what's Israel's um, story in the gospel? Um, and, and then Jesus fulfilling what Israel did in God's gospel story to where we come in to the church part of it, and we continue that gospel story on. So um, I try to keep God central and, and keep bringing us back to God and his son, Jesus. Well, you know, God in the flesh, Jesus. Does that make sense what I'm saying? 
Well, for sure. Absolutely. In fact, you used the, this phrase several times and, and you even used it in your email to me to talk about what, what you wanted to discuss today. And, and you, you use the phrase, your relationship to the God of the Bible in the marketplace. Yes. So t- talk about that for us. Like, what, what do you mean by in the marketplace? I think that's a good question because as we, as we went through from January, now we're into August, we went through what's the gospel? What's the story of God? What's our relationship to the God of the Bible? And then it's bringing it into the marketplace. And what do we mean by marketplace? And I think I've heard other people say this. It's in everyday living. It's in the workplace. What's my relationship with God look like with my neighbors outside, with the people I interact with in, you know, wherever I go or wherever I work? What does that look like? Because that's, that's where my relationship with God's going to be seen. It's not just because I, I can go to church, I can read my Bible, and it's sort of about me. I'm reading the Bible, I'm praying, I'm studying, I'm attending church service. But what does that relationship with God look like outside in the real world where I'm being tempted or I'm being sucked in to act like the world? So that's, that's re- even, though it's, even though it's sort of focused on what's my relationship to the God of the Bible seen in the marketplace and it's sort of focused on me, I want the, I want the overflow of my relationship with God to be seen, not just at the church, not just around other Christians, but as I interact with my neighbors because who don't know God, right? You know, love God, love your neighbor as yourself. So that's what I mean in the marketplace. Yeah. Well, I was, in fact, I was just having lunch with someone and they were talking about how so much of the things that we get all worked up about as Christians the things we fight about, the things we divide over, all revolve around that one hour a week on Sunday and what we do during that one hour a week. And he said, I I have never heard, he said, I've heard of all kinds of church splits based on what a church is doing or isn't doing during that one hour, but I've never heard of anyone disciplining a Christian for something like failing to practice hospitality, (laughs) something so core to what we're supposed to be doing as as followers of Jesus, yet you never hear Christians saying, you know, we really need to be better at this, and and failing to do this is a sin. And, And the way I tend to put it is that we focus so much on doing church rather than being the church. Oh, and, yes. and I think you're right. I, I love that, that way of putting it. It's about being the church 24-7. It's about being the church in the marketplace, not just in the building. Well, see, that's true because anybody, well, yeah, I think this is true. Anybody could be a Christian when they go to a church service. It's what, what are we like outside of the church building? Because people in the world, they're not going and surrounding our church building, looking in the windows to see if we're loving each other, you know? Oh, they really, they're going to see us outside. So anyone could be a Christian. And this is sounding really negative, and I don't mean it to be. Anybody can be a Christian at a church service for one hour. It's what, what, what do we look like outside? And that's the, that's the challenge. It's in the marketplace. What am I, yeah. what I, like when I'm driving down the road and someone pulls out in front of me? What am I like when the pressure's on? When I'm, I'm dealing with real life outside? That's what, that's so, what I'm... 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, I love this emphasis. So where did this come from? What, what initially made you want to teach this? Well, see, so I've been, I, I was, I've been looking at, you just mentioned there, the, the last several weeks I've been looking at the Sermon on the Plain, you know, in, in Luke 6, and I've been asking the question, what does it look like to live under the authority of Jesus? You know, we, he's the king, we're his servants, we live in his kingdom, or we're trying to live as, as his subjects in the kingdom. And I think to myself, well, you know, I, I also live in the world. And I use the language, and somebody else said it, upside down kingdom. can't remember who it was, because you read a lot, and I don't remember things like Jordy does. But I, I, I think about my relationship with God what does that look like? And again, I take it. I do take it seriously, and I want to be his follower. I, I want to love God, and I want to love my neighbor. But the reality is, without being too real, is I, I'm I'm attracted to sin, as well, and being uh, selfish and drawn to things that aren't of God. And so, thinking about this theme and and what why I wanted to teach this is, you know, I'm serious when I tell people this. I preach the gospel to myself or I preach to myself first and people get to hear it. And I'm really serious about when I say that as best that I'm able on any given day or any given week. I'm preaching to myself because I need to hear this is how I'm supposed to live. And so, and I'm a preacher, and I wake up and I think about God every day, even my days off. I think about writing sermons all the time. Who can I encourage? And then, and then, so as a preacher, this is not the right wording. I've got a special blessing on me to say, this is what I get to do every single day. And I need to be reminded every single day, this is how I'm supposed to live. So what about... I'm not saying the other Christians who aren't in full-time ministry don't think about God every single day when they wake up and this, that, and the other. I'm just saying they're in the world more than I am. You know, I, I go to the church building where, and work with two people who are Christians and, and come home, but everyone else is in the world. And mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And I'm not wording it right. So We're spoiled. The, That's one of the reasons why I think it's so important to do joy, Jesus, others, yourself, because we we live in a selfie world, don't we, where people want attention, and there's a lot of people out there getting negative attention. It's attention, but it's negative attention, and doing a lot of silly things, and we live in the world, not of it, of course, but we live, and we can get sucked into that, so... I think we need to remind ourselves as well as I need to remind myself, you're a Christian. You live in God's kingdom. You're a follower of Jesus. This is how you're supposed to live as God's person. So that's one. I think that's one of the reasons why, or maybe I gave you two reasons why I think this is uh, why I chose to, to do this and have this thing. What we've talked about a couple of different passages, Luke Luke six in particular, uh, and I know this spans the entire the entire year. But what what passages have have you really focused on, or have stood out in your mind uh, as you've gone through all of this? 
a good, I think that's a good question. Um, I think the, the first, the first lesson I did in this particular series, you know, it's, it's joy, Jesus, others, yourself. But I, I, I was trying to be creative or clever or maybe it worked, maybe it didn't. And I spelt joy backwards and it's uh, Y-O-J and it, I, I called it Yajay. The, the Yajay living, it's yourself. Hmm. Others maybe, and Jesus is somewhere in it and said, that's, that's the world that we live in. And so <clears throat> one, of the, one of the passages that come to mind is, we, we do love God, we do love his word, we want to live it out. But James would tell us, um, don't deceive yourselves by just hearing it. Do what it says. And, and you and I have spoken about this before, about, you know, here's the truth, but we have to apply it to our lives. Fat on knowledge, anemic on application. And that might be too strong, but I think there's truth to that. To say, we hear the word, we study it, we read it, we hear sermons, we listen, sit in Bible classes, but let's do what it says. So, I think, I used that in the first, uh, that verse in the first lesson, and it's sort of been there the whole time. What's our relationship to the God of the Bible? Are we going to do what he says? What does our relationship to the God of the Bible look like in the marketplace? What does it look like for me to live under the authority of Jesus? It's all saying, hear the word and do what it says. And then another, another verse, and it's Old Testament and New Testament, as you know. Um, love God, love your neighbor as yourself. And again, I'm trying to keep God central to it. And then application would be I show God how much I love him by how I interact with my neighbor but another another thing to try to do and this is new these are not my ideas none of the anything I'm sharing with you really comes from me it comes from all the other people that influence me is when I look at a particular verse whatever verses I'm looking at I in the in the beginning of this series uh, in the year, I was in Old Testament quite a bit and sharing the story of Israel, some things in Hosea, and then I'm in the New Testament. And then starting September here, I'm going to be in the New Testament much more. But what I try to do is, instead of just looking at the verse, and, and you'll need to help me here with this in some shape or form to say, how can I better do this? I want to try to get to the heart of God in the verse or the character of God in the verse. What is his heart in this? Why does he want us to live, do what the word says, not just here? And so I don't know what that would be if Jordy was here, somebody else was here and say, that's what this actually is that you're trying to do. And they'll give us some big fancy word. I don't know those fancy words. I just want to keep God central. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, you know, it reminds me when I first started preaching, I and I still I'm I'm a little uncomfortable just me personally with this this phrase the five acts of worship. I think that there's there's several problems with that that phrasing, but but I I really struggled to see how is preaching worship because to me it was just about education, it was just about knowledge, it was just about teaching people, well this is what the Bible says. But the way that you preach and you do so well and the way that you keep the emphasis on God 
what you're doing is facilitating worship. You are facilitating worship by bringing us that that are listening to you preach. You are helping to bring us, and you are you're you're very humble in the way that you preach. And so it's obvious that you are coming with us as a fellow worshiper, not standing over us, but but coming with us, and and together we are approaching God in humility and in awe of Him. And and you do that so well. And and I really do believe that when preaching is done that way, where it's not just about information, it's about inspiration, it's about focus on God, it is facilitating worship right then during the sermon, but hopefully throughout the week where they the, the worshipers have a mind and a heart to worship because they have heard the Word of God. Oh, what a lovely thing to say. That's a lovely compliment. Thank you. I try to do that. I um, you know, and I think that's one of the things I do in the preaching is that I, and I preach to myself first and I tell people, look, I need to hear this as much as you do. I need to live this out as much as you do. Though there's a wee special blessing on me because I get to do this every day. I, you know, wake up, I go to the church building or I work from home and I think about God and talk about God and pray to God. Uh, and so, but I need it as much as, as the next person, if not more. And I love how, I don't know if you say this, how often you say this, but, but several times I heard you begin your lesson by asking if, if people came to hear a word from God. Yeah, yeah I, I, I heard that on a focus on the family. They were having a discussion. I can't remember who it was and when it was. But they said, as we approach the scripture, I think it was about how to study the Bible or reading the Bible. And the question was presented was, did you come to hear a word from God? Mm-hmm. And, and, and just let that sit and simmer for a moment. Because the first thing are people going to say, yeah, yeah, we are. We are. We came to hear. And they do want to hear a word from God. But the next question is, what are you going to do with it? Mm-hmm. And that would go back to James. Don't be deceived by just hearing it. Do what it says. What will you do with the Word of God? And and I have to, as I preach it and prepare to preach it, I'm thinking the same thing. What am I going to do with what I'm saying that God wants us to do? But I don't do that every Sunday because it would get old after a while. You know, saying, you hear a word from God this morning? Yeah, uh, we'll get into it. You know, so I just throw that in every now and again, not to be that's too good. negative there. Sorry if it came across that way. No, that's good. So you mentioned earlier that, that a lot of these ideas have come from people that have influenced you. So do you have any recommended resources, resources outside of Scripture that have been helpful? Uh, yeah. Um, as, as I prepared last year and tried to work with, hey, what, you know, how many weeks should I do on this? It was... Um, Scott McKnight's book. I don't know what mm-hmm. people think of Scott McKnight. It's a book called um, uh, uh, Jesus and His Kingdom, Jesus' Kingdom, the Kingdom of King Jesus. Jesus. King Jesus Gospel? I, there you go. I knew all those words were right, and I'm glad. So you've read it. And, That's uh, good. I remember I read it, and then I kind of reread it again and, and, and worked with it more. That was very helpful to me mm-hmm. because it made me see the gospel bigger than my salvation or John 3, 16 or, you know, 1 Corinthians 15 also. 
to say, well, what's Israel's story? How does Israel fit into this? You know, how does creation fit into it? So that was a very helpful book um, that, that has shaped it. Um, another guy that there's a couple of books that I've read of his, his name is Paul uh, Miller or Paul E. Miller. And one of the books is called um, Love Walked Among Us. Mm. And it focuses on the Gospels and Jesus and how Jesus uh, lived, how he interacted with people, um, how he spoke, what he taught. Um, and one of the things that stood out to me in that particular book was, and you could relate to this because we deal with people or those listening deal with people who have struggles, is that Jesus saw the person, not the problem. And I thought that was an absolutely lovely thought. And uh, Lord willing, starting in September, I'm going to start looking more into the Gospels and looking at Jesus, you know, the Jesus, others, yourself, the joy thing, and saying, okay, as his followers, how can we live? Um, so that was another book. There's one he did, uh, Paul Miller did, called The J-Curve, and it seemed to be about suffering and then uh, The Prayerful Life or something. Those three books that he's done, I thought were extremely helpful. And then I just finished reading, um, I like Christian music, and I was listening, um, I like uh, Big Daddy Weave, uh, if you've ever heard of them. Uh, if you haven't, you should listen to a song of theirs called uh, Redeemed. And the book is called, I think it's called Redeemed. I just, Melissa bought it for me, uh, and it's a quick readout. Um, and he talked about anxiety, he talked, he's a, he's a big fella. Uh, he talked about being overweight. He talked about dealing with pain. I thought that was a very, very helpful book. Uh, I'm Redeemed, or it's called Redeemed, and it's from the song. So those are some um, books that I've found helpful, and then helpful as it the, shaped me in the series and preaching theme for this year. Yeah. Before we take a break, you've mentioned several times already in our conversation, but knowing you, I know and can can affirm how true this is, this idea that you preach the gospel to yourself first, and and your humility, both one-on-one -on -one conversations and in the pulpit, is, is palpable, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate seeing the the humility that you have and the love for God that you have. So knowing that, that, that your emphasis is on allowing the text to change you first before you preach it to anyone else, how has, how has it changed you this year as you've preached through these themes? Um, slowly. Mm. <laughs> slowly. You know, I, I, because I... I I, I think I love God. I think I love God. And I think I love people, though I can struggle to love the people, right? At times, at times, if I'm being honest. And so this whole idea of keeping God central and what's, what, I'm a part of this God story. I'm not the central character. I'm not the central, yeah, I don't play the lead role. I'm somewhere in the credits at the end of the movie. My name might be there. Some, it would be. It is there. It is. Um, but it keeps bringing me back to force is not the right word. It keeps 
keeps me focused on God and my relationship with Him. And, and then how does that, what does that look like with my neighbor? You know, and that's the hard part of it. It's see, you know, I think it, I could be going off here. It's easy to love God. I think it's easy to love God and sing to Him and pray to Him and read about Him and, 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 and reflect on Him and whatnot. It's that relationship seen in the real world with my neighbor who could frustrate me or my friends or, or my family or, you know, or when pressure's on. And so how am I changed? Slowly, slowly being changed. Because I do know this much. I'm in a marathon, you know, uh, and it would, it, would take, it would take me a eternity to the end of eternity to be like Jesus. And I've got 70, 80 years here, but it's, it's keeping me focused this particular series is, but this particular series is just an outpouring of what I've been taught over the years about keeping God central and trying to live like Him and be like Him. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think it. I think it. It goes back to what we were talking about that that the way that you preach so well is this act of facilitating worship. And I think, and it, it goes back to something Jordan Arnold and I talked about, that that when we worship God, when we are truly fixated on Him, then we become His his idol, His image, and we, we bear His image in the world because we, we become like what we worship. And but you're right, it is a slow process. And I think it's encouraging for people to hear that, to hear preachers say that, that for us, this is a slow process. Paul even said, I, I haven't attained it yet. I'm pressing on toward the goal that none of us are there yet, but we are all fixing our eyes on Jesus and striving to be more like him every day. Yeah, that's true. Amen. Yeah, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. My family absolutely loves movies, but of course we don't love the bad language, gory violence, and sexuality depicted in so many movies. One scene or a handful of profanities can make it so we just won't watch that movie. That's why we love VidAngel. Believe it or not, the VidAngel app allows us to filter our movies and television shows. We connect our Amazon, Netflix, or Apple Plus account to VidAngel, and then we can filter the shows and movies through VidAngel. It allows us to customize our settings so that if we wanted to, on a certain show, we could remove all the bad language, but none of the violence. We can set the filters however we want them. My family has used VidAngel for years, but now you can help support Radically Christian and try VidAngel for free for 14 days. Just go to radicallychristian.com slash vidangel. Radicallychristian.com slash vidangel. I hope you enjoy it as much as we do. Okay, thanks for listening. Now back to our Bible study. Well, Billy, I'm really enjoying this conversation, and and I love I love all of the emphasis of the way you've been preaching through these themes this year, and and I know we focused on the idea that that the message should change the the messenger before it it changes the congregation, but as as preachers, we always have hopes that that it is going to influence the people to whom we're speaking as well. And so what is it that you hope first, that you hope that the people are learning uh, as you present these messages? Um, I think I already answered this a little bit, 
I, I hope that through this series and, and my preaching and the way I preach, that the congregation, Three Chapel in particular, they understand that I'm as human as they are. And, you know, we, we all struggle. We all, maybe, maybe I don't struggle with the same thing they struggle with, but we all struggle. And we want to live the way Jesus wants us to live. But we all realize and understand that what he is calling us to is not natural to the way we live. It's, as I said before, it's an upside down kingdom. He calls us, you know, not to hate the enemies, but to love them. You know, and, and, and if someone hits us on the cheek, to turn the other one. That's not the world we live in. And, and that is where we need God's help and the Spirit of God to help us in our strong relationship with God. Um, but the thing is, I also believe that they already know these things. Mm. And they're learning or being reminded of them again. Because as I need to be reminded of things, they also need to be... I think I said or said that earlier on, that we need to be reminded of the things that we already know. Because life can get busy. And then we also know that, okay, I'm as human as they are. The shepherds are as human. Everybody in there is struggling with something else. But we live in a different world. We live in God's kingdom. We are to live differently. And, and another, you know, that the gospel is much bigger than their individual. Uh, uh, this is one of the things I want them to learn. And I think they already know, but be reminded of it, that the gospel story and God's story is much bigger than their individual salvation. And that they are forgiven that they're, they're going to heaven. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Because sometimes you think, okay, I'm saved now. It's okay. And not really thinking about any, anybody else. Um, so that's one of the things I would like them to learn or hope they've learned or think they already, and I believe they already know, but I want to remind them of it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, it's almost like, it's almost like there's a difference between knowing something intellectually and knowing something where it has become a part of you. And, and that's, we're all on that journey. We're all at just different stages and levels of that journey where we may know something intellectually. We may be able to affirm something. So if you preach something, people say, amen, that's right. Yes, Billy, you're exactly right. But, but do you really, I'm reminded of the, the father that comes to Jesus. I believe help my unbelief. Yes. It's, 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 yes, I believe these things are true. I believe that, that I need to turn the other cheek. I mean, I believe it on one level, but on the other level, I'm still trying to find a million ways to justify what I want to do and what comes naturally to me. And so the question you could really ask, well, do you really believe it? It's like the old story about the guy that crossed the Grand Canyon uh, with, the, with the wheelbarrow, and, and he crossed it with an empty wheelbarrow, and, and everybody cheered, and he said, he said, now how many of you believe that I could, I could go across this tightrope with, with the wheelbarrow with someone in the wheelbarrow? And everybody's, oh, yes, yes, you could do it. And then he asked, who wants to be the one to get in? And of course, nobody wanted to, to get in there. So the question is, do you, do you really believe this? Do you, it, has it become a part of you where, 
where you are already, we're going to talk about application in a second, but, but at first, even before we live it out, it has to be, it has to be inside of us. Not just people say the, the furthest distance is the yeah. distance from your head to your heart. Yeah. I think you, I think you bring up a good point as well uh, on a, on a journey thing. We've got younger Christians, and you do, all churches do. You have people who have been Christians for 30, 40, 50 years, some who are, you know, a month, six months, a year into it, and, and saying, here, this is what you're being called to. I know you other people know about it, or you know this particular story, but if you don't know this story well, here's what it means, and here's what is expected of you. So I think that comes into it as well for different people, though we, mm-hmm. I don't think, you know, at best we may get 30 minutes if people can stomach us for that long on a Sunday morning. And we can't go to every single person in the room and say, I know you're only six months into Christ, so here's what it means for you. And you're 50 years and it means something a little bit different from you. So we have to paint as best that we're able to. Uh, in those moments to get them to say, I know you know this, if you don't, or I know you know this story, but if you don't, here it is real, real quick, and here's what it really means for all of us. But for you teenagers, this is what it would look like if you can get there, you know, in the, the t- a lot of time. Well, you, you do that so well. You specifically say, you use those words a lot. You say things like, I know you know this, but if you don't, I'm going to tell you what it is, or I'm going to tell you this story, or I'm going to explain a little bit to you so that you help people to to sort of catch up with where, you know, you might hope that they are, and not assuming, oh, we all know this, and so I'm not even going to bother to tell you this story. No, I think that's good, too, because we're not just speaking to Christians, and I don't, I don't know what size the church you're at. It's much bigger than the one I'm at. I'm not jealous or anything of that. But um, we, you don't get to meet everybody on a Sunday morning. So you may have a guess of, uh, I see a good lot of the church family. There's a lot of people that don't know, are they Christians? Are they not? And so they want to be connected and, 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 and relate to the story. And, uh, you know, we say, hey, the story of, you know, David and Goliath. Never heard of it. No idea what you're talking about. So if we quickly say, hey, this is what the story's about, and then jump into what we're really trying to get to, I think that helps. So much of what you've you've emphasized has been on not just knowing something, but actually doing it. Going back to what James says, don't just be hearers of the Word, but be doers of the Word, and, and living out your your love for God in the marketplace. So what are some of those things that you hope that people that are listening to you preach changes that you hope are, are being made in their lives? Um, I think it's a good question that you're asking. And there's a part of me that says, look, I hope they can continue to trust God hmm. in the difficulties. And when the, you know, it's easy to trust God when everything's going smoothly, but when, when, Tough times come. In, in the changing thing as human, I'm as human as they are. I struggle like they are. That they remember also as I remember that they're not in a sprint. And so I, I, think, I think at times, and I might get on a soapbox here, I think at times we can beat the church up. And, 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 we, and I think we can also beat preachers up and we should stop doing both of those things. You know, 
I'm not, I've been a Christian since 1993. That's 30 years, isn't it? I don't know how much change has happened in those 30 years. I know I'm different, but I don't know how much. And I think that the listeners, the people that listen to us preach, that they're not too hard on themselves. And they're not too easy on themselves, but not too hard on themselves either. Where, because I can be this way, and maybe other people can, that I can be quick to beat myself up for not being the best example. Not that I shouldn't be a good example and the best example and reflect Christ, but, you know, to realize he's still at work. He's going to continue to work. I think Philippians 1 says something like that. He'll continue his work and he's going to finish his work in me. So I think one of the the things I would like the church to realize or to ch- change, I don't know if I'm connected to your question or not, is don't be so hard on yourself and don't be so hard on other people. Show grace, show mercy. Realize they're on a journey. They might be six months in Christ or 500 years in Christ. You'd like to believe that people that are longer in Christ are acting more like them. That's not always the case. So I think be don't be so hard on yourself, but don't be too easy on yourself either. Balance that out. And remember that they're on a journey and that their story is God's story. And God's story is worth sharing. And our part in God's story is worth sharing. So maybe they can get around. We, we, uh, we don't usually use the testimony language in the churches of Christ. But to share how God has worked in their life with someone else. People can share their own story. So I would like them to do that. Uh, and, and, and so they're not just thinking of themselves and their own salvation, but thinking about other people. I don't know if that answers your question or not. If it doesn't... It does. And I, I, and I think it, it goes back to everything that we've been saying. In fact, it, it made me think that, that when the gospel, the real, true gospel that you're talking about is proclaimed, we feel about ourselves that we are incredibly loved but that we are far smaller than we ever thought we were before. But, but there's almost a desire, I think an inherent desire, for God to show us how small we are. The, the time that I had that, that kind of visceral experience was climbing a mountain and standing at the top of a 14,000-foot mountain and looking down, I suddenly was overwhelmed by how big everything was, how small I was, how small the car that I had driven there in was, that, that all of the, the problems and all of the, the worries and concerns that I had were, were minuscule. They were microscopic. And God is so big, and His creation is so big, and the story that we're a part of is so big. And, and really, there was an incredible comfort in knowing that as small as I am, God loves me, and I am so incredibly loved by God, but I am not, as you've said multiple times, I am not the center of the universe. I am not the center of this story. What a small and sad story it would be if I was the main character in this story, and what a grand narrative it is that I get to be a part of it, but I'm just a tiny part of that story. Yeah, and and, and even though we are a tiny part of it, 
we may get to thinking that we're not making a difference in the world. Mm. And, you know, I, I want to be, uh, there's a Bible verse, I want to be found faithful, you know, in the end. And I, I, I think our people think, well, if I was a true Christian, if I was a real Christian, if I was really faithful, I think we need to shelve that and just say, look, I believe in God as best that I'm able to on any given day. And some days it doesn't look like I believe in God the way I'm acting because of the pressure that I can feel in life. But I am faithful, not just me. And our church members and the people that say they love God, they're faithful. They may not be perfect in their faithfulness, but they're faithful. And I think they need to know that as well and then be changed in that too. To say, I do love God and I'm going to get up tomorrow morning. I'm going to have another go at loving him and being faithful to him and loving my neighbor as myself. I think I hope our church and the people that listen would would start believing that and their lives be changed in, in a way that they could be more comfortable with God and with our in their relationship with God. I may not have worded that right. Well, I think the beauty of what you're saying is that faith is not so much about the amount of faith that we have, but the object of our faith. It, Jesus says, if you, have, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to the mountain to get up and throw itself in the sea. And so it's not about how much faith do you have, it's where is your faith, faith placed? In, in whom is your faith placed? And if your faith is in God, then you win. We win because our faith is in Him. It's because of His strength and might. Yes. Yeah, that's good. So let me ask you this. If you had to, to go back and, and do this year over again, or if you look back at, at the lessons that you've taught, is there anything that you would say differently or teach differently or cover that you might not have covered? I, uh, the answer is yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that's true of all my sermons. So, you know, if I'm using uh, an illustration or if I'm using a story, uh, and I try to use stories that are close um, in, in time-wise, like I don't want to say, you know, 60 years ago when I was, though every now and again it's like, when I was growing up in Northern Ireland or this coming Sunday, I'll be talking about my dad being a carpet fitter. And um, when I was helping him as a boy, you know, in some shape or form to, to lead into the sermon. But, yeah, I, if I, and, and here's the thing, I believe this to be true, and you may unfriend me and everybody else not listen to me anymore. I think if a sermon is worth preaching once, it's worth preaching five or six times. And so, and I also have some people who listen to my sermons and they're not shy about critiquing it either, which I have no trouble with that either. Um, and I'm, I'm happy with what they do because they can say, and maybe you've got friends that do preaching friends that do this as well. They say, you know, if you not to kind of say your sermon stunk and that series stunk, because you should have used this particular verse or, yeah, you should have used this instead of that. They're not doing it that way. They just say, you know, that was a really helpful illustration or this verse really could have driven the point home as well. So when I hear these preacher friends who have no trouble them critiquing 
and giving feedback, even if it's negative, um, I'm going to say, yeah, man, that's a great point. I never thought about that. Because, and I'm not going to word this right, I think most of my sermons are half-baked or almost-baked. And here's what I mean by that is I haven't read all the Bible verses on it. I try to. I haven't read all the books or commentaries on this particular section or uh, this particular topic. And so a little bit later on, I think, oh, man, if I just reading something, say from Francis Chan or whoever else I read, uh, Jim McGuigan and blah, 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 all the other names that I would mention. Um, um, oh, if I knew that, that would have fit in really well over there a couple of months ago. Or even, or even, and I've thought about doing this too. I've never got around to doing it though is saying to some of these preacher friends that I trust who critique, say, hey, I'm going to preach. I actually, I did this recently with Jordy, so I have done it. I did it recently with Jordy uh, about a month ago. Um, by the time he gets to listen, it's a year from now probably, um, that, um, that I said, hey, this is what I'm thinking of doing. I think it's way too wordy. What do you think? And so I sent it to him, and he, and he gave me some feedback saying, yeah, because as you know, him and I worked together at Red River, and 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 so and we did a lot of that when we worked with Hosea material, um, and so I've done that. So to answer your question, yes, I think the answer is yes. I think there's some lessons because depending on depending on the day, I, I could be really upset about something, but still have to preach. And then I, I might come across in a, with a tone or I'm really, really tired or family life's difficult and I'm feeling way down and there's no life in me as I'm preaching. So I think the answer is yes. Yes, I, I think that's with all the sermons that I do. What, what do you think about what I'm saying? Do you feel that way too at times? Oh, absolutely. That's why I ask this question every time I, I get to visit with another preacher. And I've never, I've never preached a sermon that I thought that that went exactly like I planned it. I, I that I could not have gone any better. I said exactly what I wanted to say, nothing more, nothing less. And there's never been a time where I haven't, as you said, looked back on an older sermon and thought, even if it was a older sermon a week ago or a month ago and thought, oh, why did I say it that way? Or that wasn't exactly right. And I, I learned something new and I grew from there. In fact, I, I was listening to an interview with John, Dr. John Walton uh, on my way to the building just now, and he was talking about reading the Bible faithfully. And someone asked him, why don't you say reading the Bible correctly? And he said, because I've I have had too many experiences where I have realized that what I thought was the correct way to read the Bible was wrong, and I've grown, and I've changed, and I've learned new things. And so I always want to read Scripture faithfully, but I'm not always going to do it correctly. I'm not always going to be perfect in what I say or what I think or what I preach. And I think that goes back to everything that we've been talking about is— that we're not going to be perfect as as disciples of Jesus. We're not going to be perfect as preachers and teachers and Bible students, but we can be faithful. We can always be faithful. And you you are faithful even on those days where you're having a bad day or you're tired or your things are going on at home and you're preaching the truth and you're preaching God's word and you're pointing people towards Jesus and towards the Father. 
and and you're being faithful to your calling, even though you may look back on it and say, well, in hindsight, I would have done this differently, you're still faithful. And and our Father can look and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Yeah, but, and then that also takes the pressure off me too, because I just give the word out. It's the mm. Spirit of God's job or God's job to get the people to say, oh, ah, that I, I got to change because I heard that. You know, mm-hmm. so whether false motives are true, as long as Christ is preached and I'm trying to give the word of God, there is, the outcome's not really on me or how, well, how it comes across. But here's the thing that we can do, we preachers can do is, hey, remember a couple of weeks ago I said this, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, whatever it was, Here's what I actually meant to say, because, mm-hmm. okay. you know, and especially in a theme or this series and a little series, there's a thread or a, even a, a, maybe it's bigger than a thread. It could be a big rope for some of us that goes through the sermons. So it's easy to just go back and say, hey, a couple of weeks ago, I didn't say that right. And here's what I actually meant. And, mm-hmm. and, and then trot on. So, yeah. Yeah, that's great. So what's next? What what are you planning on preaching and teaching next? Well, Lord, Lord I've got two things. Lord willing, in September here, because uh, I've got two two or three more in the sermon uh, on the plane. Uh, starting September, I want to look more into the Gospels and just look at the life of Christ. It's this idea of love walked among us. So it's what is our relationship to the God of the Bible seen in the marketplace in everyday life? And then into what does it look like to live under the authority of Jesus or to love our neighbor as ourselves? So it's just going to be looking at the Gospels for a good chunk of the rest of the year. Though there's going to be a couple of special sermons, special dates and this, that and the other. We're going to be celebrating our hundredth year as the Three Chop Church at the first Sunday in October, and I'm going to be doing a hundred year thingy majiggy, uh, and it'll be good. It'll be good. Uh, I wish I wish they would have a special guest speaker in, but they're not going to do that. They'll have me. Um, and then I'm working on, and Jordy touched on this a little bit. Uh, Jordy and I are kicking around the idea of um, looking at each Old Testament book. One, you know, Genesis one week, you know, the next one, the next week and on um, uh, for next year and sort of ask the question, um, what is the God of Genesis up to today? What is the God of Leviticus or the God of, you know, the Psalms up to today? So Jordy and I are kicking that around a little bit together. Um, And I'm thinking that because it was several years ago. Uh, at Three Chop, where I, I, I did a, uh, a survey, a New Testament survey, just looked at, if that's the right word, just looked at Matthew one week, you know, look next, you know, Mark, John, uh, Acts, and, and, and went through the New Testament that way. And um, I'd like to do that in the Old Testament. Um, we're kicking it around, um, but that is one thing I'd like us to do, which would keep it God-centered. So, um yeah, that's what we're looking at, or I'm looking that's at wonderful. for the 24, and then uh, September on is Love Walked Among Us. Hmm. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, Billy, thank you for this conversation. Thank you for the your work in the kingdom, and thank you for being my friend. 
Uh, thank you so much. And let me say this about you. I, I think you're an amazing man of God and, and, and you're doing marvelous things. But I told you this before, and people need to hear this, that, that, that you tell people that God loves them. That's really important. And that you love them as well. I'm really glad that you do. I'm going to steal it at some point and use it. Um, I can't smile the way you do when you say it. But I think that's really important that people hear that. And you, and you do that very well. And thanks, thanks for being my friend. I'll say that you make my life more beautiful, Wes. Thank you. Likewise, brother. I love you. Thanks, thanks, thanks again. Thank you so much for listening to the Radically Christian Bible Study Podcast. If you have just a moment, we would love for you to rate and review the podcast on iTunes or wherever you're listening. It really does help people find this content. I also want to thank the guests who join me each week, Travis Pauly, who edits this podcast, Beth Tabor, who often volunteers her time to transcribe it, and our whole McDermott Road Church family who make it possible for us to provide this Bible study for you. Now, let's go out and love like Jesus. Jesus.